Metal World Peace Pipe, the guy, the man, the myth, the legend. Appreciate you reaching out, man. Uh, I'm more than happy to give you guys a shout out again. Shout out Halftime Basketball Community from E.D. Vendor Peace Basketball. Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the Halftime Community from the big baller himself. That's right, you guys keep it right and take, keep doing your thing Cause Big Baller Brand is in the building And you know how we gets down But anyways, y'all do y'all thing And we gonna do our thing Cause Big Baller's gotta stick together Again, shout out to the Halftime Community That's right, Big Baller's out baby And I holla Welcome into another edition of the Halftime Community Podcast You know since I talked to you guys last week it's been a lot of the same in the NBA. The Lakers and Celtics, you can step away from the ledge. The panic button's not quite in sight right now. You're playing a little bit better. The Jazz lost to the 76ers in overtime. Joel Embiid really had an MVP performance last night. MVP-type season for Joel Embiid. You'd love to see it. Other than that, I think we got some awards to give out. Hey, Greg, why don't you go piss your pants again? That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. First and foremost, we have the People Don't Forget Award. Now this award is gonna go to a special somebody who just recently announced the retirement. Joe Kim Noah, this one's for you. People Don't Forget, you had that one season in Chicago when you finished fourth in MVP voting. Pierce, Simmons fights through a screen. Next up, we have the Denny Green RIP Memorial They Are Who We Thought They Were Award. This one's going to go to a special group of coaches in Atlanta. Lloyd Pierce was recently fired. By all accounts, a great human being, great for the community, but he wasn't getting it done in the W column. So they brought in Nate McMillan, and the Hawks are who we thought they were. They're 2-0 since McMillan came in, and I'm sure they'll flame out in the first round. The Bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull bull We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Last but certainly not least, we have the Antonio Cromartie Illegitimate Son Award. This one is a special someone, a special player in the league who has a tie to the past. Wilt Chamberlain, as we all know, scored 100 points in a game. Recently was the anniversary of that. So I want to introduce you to Wilt Chamberlain's son, Otto Porter Jr. Don't believe me? Just look at the side-by-side picture. From the Los Angeles Lakers, number 13. I'm here with that Raptors fan on the app. Isra, is that how you say your name? Yep. Okay, perfect. Isra is joining us today, kind enough to join us. And as you could tell from the username, it's all about the Raptors. So how are you feeling about the Raptors so far? They got back to 500. They just dropped below 500, um, but they're kind of in the middle of the East. How are you feeling about the Raptors so far? Um, well, it seems like Raptors are kind of coming back to their mediocre state that they've been stuck in for a long time. Um, the fact that a lot of them are actually out with COVID-19 is kind of crazy to me. Um, they just lost to the Pistons last night, which wasn't great. 
but hopefully when people start to come back, things will go back on track. Yeah, it's been interesting. They had the start to the season. I don't know if all fans even know this, but they they weren't allowed to play in Toronto. They actually moved all their facilities and they were playing their home games in Tampa Bay. So they're the kind of Tampa Bay Raptors living out of hotel and that kind of I think that had something to do with their slow start for sure, being in a new place. Yeah, for sure. It's really hard playing, I guess, for all teams, but especially when you're not even playing in your home court and you have to move everything. It's definitely a big change, so it makes sense that they needed time to adjust. They're doing pretty well now, currently, and I think the fact about the COVID outbreak within the team was a giant setback, but it's nice to see how great Norman Powell is playing and how OG and Van Vliet are really stepping up their roles. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you brought up uh, Norman Powell and some of those role players, because that brings me to the question of Kyle Lowry. Um, of obviously, he's not getting any younger. He's probably the known as the greatest Raptor of all time right now. But there's a lot of trade rumors about Kyle Lowry and if they should trade him off trade him maybe to a bigger contender like the 76ers, do him a solid, and then that way you get to have Fred Van Vliet kind of take over the point guard role. What do, what do you think about that? Would you rather them hang on to him? Because it looks like they will be a playoff team, um, maybe not a number one or number two seed by any means, but would you rather have Kyle Lowry on the team, or do you think it's time maybe to turn him over to somebody else? Um, being Canadian, I know that Kyle Lowry is – literally the heart of the Toronto Raptors and I would not like to see him go anywhere to be honest I'd love for him to retire with the Raptors however you're right he's not getting any younger and there are a lot of young studs on the team that I feel would benefit with more playing time so I think keeping Kyle Lowry as kind of that mentor veteran kind of leadership role when they need it but maybe giving him lesser minutes and letting some of the younger people, like Fred Van Vliet for sure, coming up to play instead, I think that's the way I would run it. Yeah, I put I put the words in your mouth uh, about Kyle Lowry being the greatest Raptor of all time, but some people say Vince Carter, um, throw some other people out there. What's your opinion? Um, okay, Vince, literally, he's the one that put the Raptors on the map, so you have to give him that credit. I think... Oh, that's a tough one. I, th- I think I'd have to say that Vince is the most influential Raptor because he's the one that really solidified Raptors as a- an NBA team that can really play around. But Kyle Lowry's done a lot too, and he's been around for so long. Like growing up, it's just been, I can only remember him playing. So I'd have to say that um, Vince Carter is the most influential, but Kyle Lowry's my favorite. I think that's a good take. A lot of Raptors fans, it seems, agree with you. Um, If the subject of the greatest Raptor of all time gets brought up now, it's all about Kyle Lowry. You may even want to throw Kawhi Leonard in that conversation. I know it was only for a year, but comes in, wins a championship, and leaves town. Um, I'm sure you you won't forget that championship anytime soon. No way. That championship is literally the best thing that's ever happened. Kawhi, okay. He's definitely on the best Raptors list, but when you compare, he was there for such a short time, only a year, right? So it's not, he didn't make any lasting dedications to the team, but if I think he, if he stayed a little longer, he definitely would have been way up there. Yeah, definitely. I think that's fair. So that brings me to an important question. Where were you when 
Kawhi Leonard hit that shot in the corner against Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. I was actually at home streaming the game with my family, my brother and my dad. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's one of those shots. If you're a Raptors fan, you're for sure not going to forget where you were. Um, If you're just an NBA fan in general, I remember exactly what I was doing and I could not believe that hit 27 parts of the rim before it went in. So it was just just the Raptors season. It really was the Raptors season to get it done. Um, Everything opened up for them there. So for the rest of the season, you mentioned OG Ananubi. Um, They extended him. And then, of course, Fred Van Vliet got an extension. Also, another name that kind of came up has come through the Raptors system, uh, much like Pascal Siakam did, Chris Boucher. What have you seen out of him so far? I've seen that he's a lot more than people give him credit for, right? He can really stretch the floor. I've been watching the highlights, and the fact that he's just hitting these threes out of nowhere is pretty awesome. Uh, He's also Canadian. He's from Montreal, which is pretty cool. And I think he's got a lot of potential, and I'd really like to see him grow in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting. I wrote a little bit of a piece on every team before the season, just kind of a season outlook, and I predicted – I was a little bit wrong, but I predicted the Raptors to do very well, be a top two or three seed in the East, just because I really like the infrastructure they have there. I like the coaching staff and their ability to build players up. Um, It's not like a revolving door of a bunch of players, except, you know, he, of course, he had Kawhi Leonard come in, but, and uh, Serge Ibaka come in for a little bit. But for the most part, a lot of their players, a lot of the role players they bring in, they develop themselves. Yeah, I think it's a really tight-knit community, right? Because they have an entire country behind them. I think the fact, I mean, I'm going to really miss Serge Ibaka and Marcus All too, as well. But they really made it almost like a family. It was like a community, and it was really great to see. Uh, as for uh, Chris Boucher and Van Vliet and OG and everyone, I think that they're it's almost like a family. And that's why I think... People respect the Raptors a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, with the coaching staff and Nick Nurse has proven himself as a really good coach, especially bouncing back this year after that tough start. It looked like they could have packed it in and just kind of chalked it up to being away from home for the season and COVID-19. But seems like they've really put it together lately. Um, another player that's always an interesting topic for Raptors fans and gets thrown in trade machines all the time is Pascal Siakam. He's kind of been, he started a little bit slow, but his numbers have actually leveled off a little bit here. He's looking a little bit better. What have you seen out of Pascal Siakam this year? I think I was very, very hyped for him the championship year because behind Kawhi, he was playing so amazingly. And it seemed like he had finally found his role and he was coming up and, you know, he was going to end up becoming a superstar. But then after Kawhi left last year and this year so far, it's we've seen him struggling to take that leadership role. And a lot of times you've seen him kind of almost disappear between games or he'd be doing that spin move in the paint over and over again and it just wouldn't be falling. So I think I need to give him more time before I can give him like a definite sorry You're not as good as I thought you were, but I really hope he gets it together and starts playing with the potential that we all know that he has because he's a really talented player and I really want to see him do well. Yeah, definitely. I think 
Siakam's definitely somebody everybody can really root for. He came from the G League, started from the bottom, and now, you know, he's an NBA champion. He's been an all-star already. So he's definitely a guy that's had to work hard. He works hard in the offseason, I know. Um, moving forward for the rest of the season, if you were the general manager of the Toronto Raptors today, you got promoted, what would you do? Are you trying to make the playoffs with the best seed you can with the team you have this year? Or are you turning over that roster, maybe sending Kyle, Kyle Lowry out for um, some younger players, maybe a pick or two? And same thing with a guy like Norman Powell, seeing if you can pick up a pick for him because he is getting in his upper 20s as well. I think if I was the general ma- general manager of the Raptors, I would for sure keep Kyle Lowry. Um, I'd keep developing this team. I wouldn't give up on it yet because I know they have so much potential. We just have to give them a little bit of time, right? Because a lot of the players are very young. I think my main priority would be finding a dependable big because so far we have like Aaron Baines and Tristan Thompson and Chris Boucher. And that Chris Boucher, I'd like to keep an eye on so far, but I've seen like Toronto Raptors rumors about them collecting maybe Nikola Vucevic and that would be a nice pickup. But for me, I'd generally be looking to find a big that we can depend on in the clutch. Yeah, definitely. Looking at their roster from the beginning of the season, I think their center depth depth was uh, Aaron Baines and Alex Len, who's not even on the team anymore, I don't think. So it's definitely it was a weak spot from the beginning. But if they can get Vucevic, I've also seen an interesting trade rumor. Um, DeMar DeRozan maybe making a return back to Toronto. How would you feel about that? I'd love to see him back, but I'm not sure if he himself would like to return to the Raptors after how dirty the front office did him. I mean, if he did come back, it'd be great to see. It would be a real, you know, a real nostalgic moment for all Raptors fans to watch him and Kyle Lowry play together again. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was a, I think it was a necessary evil for Raptors fans. They, obviously you don't want to get rid of a guy like DeRozan, but to bring in a guy like Kawhi who comes in and on his first season brings a championship to the city. I I think you would say at the end of the day, it's probably worth it. Yeah, you're right. I think we all hated Messiah jury a little bit when he did it, but now we just have to respect him because he got us a ring. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about. So just generally in the NBA, is there anything else, any other players that are kind of standing out to you? Um, I'm feeling a little bad. For the Celtics right now because it seems like they're in a rough patch. I really wanted Kimball Walker to do so well in the Celtics this year but I guess with injuries in the beginning he's just he's not playing like his Charlotte days. Yeah it's been it's been a rough go of things for Celtics fans. They started off pretty well. They look like a top three or four seed in the east um, and then they had that really tough stretch where Kimball Walker was breaking threes at the end of the games and hitting step backs that he shouldn't be taking and missing those shots as well. Um, they kind of, they've gotten back to 500, but it's an interesting matchup tonight. The Celtics who are back to 500 and then the Raptors who are one game under 500. Um, hopefully the Raptors can pull it out for you guys. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, definitely. If you had to pick one player besides Kyle Lowry, who's your favorite in the NBA? That's a good question. I think I'd have to say Serge Ibaka. I can't, even though he's gone, even even though he's on the Clippers, he's still one of my favorite players. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You, you just can't quit Serge Ibaka. I'm with you yep. there. Um, and then before I let you go, I always try to get at least one hot blazing take out of my guests. So if you have a hot take for the season, or it could be from the past, you know, maybe you think somebody's super underrated or somebody's super overrated, um, give it to me. Uh, all right, then. My hot take is this. I think that the Charlotte Hornets are overrated. Yeah, not on the Lamella ball train. Definitely not. We will certainly see. Well, I thank you for joining me, and it, it's been a good time talking Raptors. Anytime we can talk Toronto, uh, I know we got a lot of Raptors fans on the app, and we got a, like you said, we got a whole country behind us with Canada. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. I had a lot of fun. Crowd still here hoping for a miracle. Also here to cheer on. Leonard makes it official. Now the Warriors just inbound, and that's it. There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. We the North are now we the champions. The Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> Before I let you all go today, we got a few things to handle here. We've got the mailbag first up, and then we're going to get into the GOAT discussion again. Finally settle it. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? First question in the mailbag comes from great user here, Los Angeles Clipper Nation. I'm going to flip it around a bit. He asked me, how many users are there in halftime, and how do you expect to widen the population in this app and avoid toxicity from other apps? So I actually had no hand in creating halftime as much as I would love to do none of the work and take all of the credit. I'm actually not going to do that here today. I'm just a guy yelling at clouds, talking to a microphone here for the podcast. But I will flip it around a little bit. You know, you see a lot of things these days, especially with social media. You got Instagram, all you kids got TikTok, all those sorts of things where people come out and they say, I'm starting this new media platform, or I'm starting this new clothing line, or I'm doing this, I'm a music producer, I'm doing that, all these sorts of things. And at the end of the day, what really separates these people from the people that actually are successful is being able to stick through it. It's one thing to say, I'm going to do all these things and I have all these connections and I'm great at social media, but are you actually willing to do the work in the background? You know, it's not going to come easy. You're not going to have 5 million followers. You're not going to have $5 million in the bank and retire to Bora Bora right off the bat. You're going to have to grind a little bit. And lastly, do you even care about what you're doing? Are you just doing it to make money? Are you doing it because you think it's cool and it's what you think other people want to see? If you don't care about the content you're creating, it's really not going to go anywhere in the end. So you have to care about what you're doing. Now that I told all you kids to get off my lawn, let's move on to an actual basketball-related question here from Burger30, great user on the app. He said, this is more of a specific question than general, but how would you feel about the Warriors? First round exit, maybe further than that. Also, where do you think they would have been with Clay, maybe title contenders? 
And I'll tackle the Clay situation first. We all know he got injured right before the season was supposed to start. A horrific injury after he's already coming off an injury. He had those weird Kaiser Permanente ads that look like a Christopher Nolan movie, if anybody saw those. But really, I think that the Warriors easily would have been title contenders with Clay. They would have been the top three seed in the West for sure. And then outside of that, once you get that top three seed and you're in the playoffs, you have Steph Curry, you have Draymond Green, you have Klay Thompson, you have Andrew Wiggins throwing in shots as a third option. Anything is possible. And then add into that James Wiseman. Let's assume that Clay does not come back this season. I'm sure there'll be some reports and rumors that he's trying to come back for the playoffs this year. But let's just assume for this exercise that Clay Thompson is not coming back healthy. Even if he comes back, he's not going to make a huge impact. I really see the Warriors as a first or a second round exit. They can give a team trouble, but I really don't see them moving anywhere past the first or the second round this year. It really is the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Suns. That's how I see the West. It's going to be one of those four top teams. Everybody else comes behind them. The last question in Santa's mailbag here is from So Ham Dame Niners. He asked, when is the right time to blow it up for an NBA team, and what teams do you think are nearing that point in the NBA? I really love this question. I think it's a great question, especially for the NBA. You know, you only have five players on the court from your team at a time, so it's different from other sports where you may have 11 or 10 players on on the field at a given time. One player can make a huge swing and make a huge difference. And if you look at NBA rosters, just look at your favorite team. If you look at the roster from two years ago, it's more than likely completely flipped from what it was two years ago. Rosters turn over so much, players move around so much these days that it's crazy. You know, if you have one superstar or you make a big move for one or two superstars, it can completely change the outlook of your franchise. So let's talk about large market versus small market teams. Large market teams, let's think Lakers, let's think Boston Celtics. I would even throw a team like the Clippers up there just because they play in Los Angeles, even though the Lakers are the preferred destination. Um, You've got Chicago Bulls, although they've struggled in free agency. New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, all those sorts of teams that play in the larger markets. You know, even if they struggle and if they make a botched trade at some point, they can turn it around pretty quickly. Because players want to play there. They want to go to those large market teams at the end of the day. They have tradition. If you think Celtics, if you think Lakers, they have championship pedigree. And it's always been a dream for many players to play there. So they can flip it around even if they make mistakes. Perfect example. Let's look at the post-Kobe Lakers. After Kobe retired, it was a lot of young pieces that did not fit together. They were struggling together. Um, A lot of talent, a lot of potential, but they just weren't winning at any high level and then all of a sudden you know LeBron he wants to go to LA so he's going to LA that completely changes the trajectory of the franchise all of a sudden you've got LeBron who brings Anthony Davis along with him and you've got a title contending team for three to five years on the flip side you've got the smaller market teams a perfect example of this and the example I'm going to use is the Milwaukee Bucks you know Milwaukee's not a small town by any means but in the NBA ecosystem in the NBA market they're definitely a smaller market team so how does a team like the Bucks or a smaller market team like the Orlando Magic become successful and it's a lot harder that's the reality of things they have to get a little bit lucky with the draft lottery if they have a horrible season and they have a top pick they need to hit on that pick so it comes with scouting GM 
you have to be a better GM. You just do. If you're working in a smaller market, you have to be a better GM. You have to have a better scouting department. If the Bucks didn't reach and draft Giannis, even though the only footage they really had of him was a grainy film footage of him, what looked like playing in a YMCA in the Greek League, if they weren't able to identify Giannis as a potential superstar and reach and grab him in the lottery, who knows where the Bucks may be. So the easy, not so easy answer is you have to have luck and you have to draft a superstar organically. Superstars aren't just going to sign with a team like Orlando or Milwaukee just because. You're going to have to draft those kinds of players and develop them and then hope, like Giannis just did, that they re-sign for the long term. And once you build that winning infrastructure and that winning culture, all bets are off. The sad part is when Giannis leaves town or a guy like Giannis retires, you have to start all over again. And that's where it can really get tough for small market teams. You see those peaks and valleys. Another example of this would be the Dallas Mavericks. You know, if you looked at the Dallas Mavericks roster at the tail end of Dirk's career as he was riding out his career, his Hall of Fame career, it was a bit of a mess. And then all of a sudden, they got Luka Doncic. They drafted Trey Young. They traded with the Hawks to bring Luka Doncic to town, and it's been a fit. And all of a sudden, the championship window has opened up. You get a second star, KP. I know everybody has their thoughts on Kristaps Porzingis right now. Hopefully he can turn it around in Dallas. But you bring in a second star, and then all of a sudden, you've got a championship window of three to five years. And then it really just becomes a game of, are you going to be able to keep Luka in town? If so, players are going to want to play with Luka, so you're going to have a championship contender. If not, you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and probably have two or three years where you're not very good. So to the question of what teams should rebuild now, what teams are in the process of rebuilding now, I think we know the usual suspects here for the most part at the bottom of the league. We got the Pistons, the Magic, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're in the middle of a rebuild. So they've got Garland, they've got Sexton, they got Okoro there. Looks like they have a young core. Jarrett Allen was added to the roster this year. So they're in the middle of a rebuild. And then you look at a team like the Timberwolves. They are a complete dumpster fire right now. But the good news for T-Wolves fans is Anthony Edwards isn't a bust. So that's definitely good news. Young talent right there. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell are both younger than 25 years old. So you have that working for you as well. But the fact of the matter is the team is just not performing on the court. Ever since Carl Anthony Towns has been in town, they haven't been a winner except for that one year they brought Tom Thibodeau in, they brought Derrick Rose in, and they brought Jimmy Butler in. They made the playoffs that year, but besides that, it's been not much winning in Minnesota. So is it time to trade Carl Anthony Towns? I wouldn't say that necessarily. He's super talented. You can't deny that. He's one of the best, talent, most talented big men in the league. But if I'm the Timberwolves GM, am I poking around a little bit, seeing what the market is for a guy like Carl Anthony Towns that is still super young and on a good contract, I definitely would be. The haul you might get for him could be huge, could be a king's ransom of picks and young talent. So it may be time to hit the rebuild button in Minnesota there. And then you've got Oklahoma City Thunder. We know what they're doing right now. They're collecting as many picks as possible. But what's been good for them, they've also hit on some draft picks and some trades. They have SGA, who's one of the most underrated guards in the league. Lugans Dort, who's, of course, one of the best defensive players in the league. He's getting better offensively. Never expect him to be a star on that end. But he's been one of the most underrated players in the league as well. 
Add on to that list, the Houston Rockets, they are definitely in the middle of a rebuild. Oladipo is not going to be there after this season, I would say. They're definitely looking to trade him. John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, that was definitely a failed experiment so far. John Wall's looked good in his return, but he just doesn't match the timeline of the Rockets and what they're looking to do there. So I'd expect him to be moved at some point. But where it really gets interesting is those middling teams in the NBA. You don't want to be caught in the middle. You want to be trending up or trending down. And you want to get a really good pick if you're bad and hopefully draft a superstar or at least trade for a superstar with that draft pick. Or you want to be really good, you know, in the top five in your conference and actually be a contender for the title. So some of these teams that stick out to me in this category would be the Chicago Bulls. They have Zach Levine, who's relatively young. He's super talented. We've seen him improve year after year in Chicago there as he's gotten more opportunities. But does he really fit the timeline? For Chicago, I would say stick it out this year, definitely. They've trended up. Billy Donovan looks like he's got a system in place now, and they've got some young talent around him. Then you look at a team like the Pelicans. They've been super up and down all season. So do the Pelicans need to do a full rebuild? I would say for the most part, yes. If I'm the Pelicans GM today, I'm obviously keeping Zion. I'm not saying Brandon Ingram is untouchable, though. If a deal for Carl Anthony Towns becomes available and Brandon Ingram has to be included in the deal, I'm at least listening. Outside of that, they've got some good young guards. They drafted Kira Lewis this year. They drafted Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I really like. He's had limited minutes. His minutes have been up and down. But when he's been on the court, I've really liked what I've seen. Um, they've got some other young talent that you can build around around there. But is the team overall going to be an actual contender as built today with guys like Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball in the lineup? I would say no. So they are ready for a rebuild in my eyes. Because the fact of the matter is you have Zion Williamson, who can be a generational type talent. We've seen it from him this year. He's been super efficient. He's never going to be a three-point shooter by any means. But he can be a force down low, and you don't want to waste that if you're the Pelicans. Another team I would include in this category would be the Toronto Raptors. They're kind of in that middle ground. We talked about it with that Toronto Raptors fan. So we had a lot of that conversation. But is it time to ship Kyle Lowry out of town? I'm not sure. You know, the answer is they're middling right now. Is it time to do Kyle Lowry a solid and ship into a contender while gathering some young pieces? Or is it time to just trust that infrastructure and hope that you can actually make a run in the playoffs? The answer there is really cloudy and it's really murky depending on who you ask. But I'm always for testing out the trade market, at least listening to teams and seeing if there's a King's Ransom out there. We saw it with the Milwaukee Bucks in the offseason and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Milwaukee Bucks were willing to give up three first round picks for Drew Holiday. Is Drew Holiday on the open market worth three first-round picks? Probably not, but the Milwaukee Bucks feel like their championship window is open and they don't want to waste it, so they're willing to leverage their future to try to win with Giannis now. Are the Toronto Raptors in that situation? Will there be a trade like that available for, for Kyle Lowry? I would say no. There's not going to be a team willing to give up three first-round picks, but could you get a first-round pick? and maybe some young potential players as well, and then maybe throw in a second round or some cash considerations at the end, that may be available, and I would definitely be listening if I'm the Raptors. Lastly, it's a category of their own. Two teams I have no idea what to do with. The Sacramento Kings, the Atlanta Hawks, they have some good young pieces. 
in Sacramento, you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Tyrese Halliburton, who looks really good so far. Rashawn Holmes has given them something. Marvin Bagley, not so much, but I have no idea what to do. Just hold your cards for now and hope that it works out at the end. Same thing with the Atlanta Hawks. They took a big swing in the offseason, signing a lot of free agents. They signed Gallinari, they signed Bogdanovich, um, made a lot of moves in the offseason to try to be a playoff contender this year. Hasn't worked out so well so far. They are playing better as of late. So definitely hold your cards in Atlanta and see how this season plays out. Another team I would put in the same category as the Chicago Bulls, which I mentioned earlier, would be the Washington Wizards. They have some really good young potential pieces there. I really like Denny. He hasn't put up huge stats coming out of the draft and being a rookie this year, but I have seen some things on the floor for him at least running the point forward at times, being the primary ball handler when he needed to. He has that kind of skill set. He can do multiple things on the court. And then you have Rui Hachimura. I would expect him to be a potential all-star at some point. The guy's really good. He's got really good skill set, but he's super raw as well. And the problem is you've got Bradley Beal, one of the best, if not the best, offensive player in the league right now. He's under contract. They said they're not trading him. They're not even looking to trade him at any point. He wants to stay in Washington. But does his window match the Washington Wizards window? That is still to be seen. I'm not saying they should trade him now. I would definitely let this season ride out. You've got Russell Westbrook there. You've got Bradley Beal. They're playing better of late. But in the offseason, if there is a King's Ransom available, I would at least consider it. Hopefully I didn't hurt too many feelings in that last question, but that is a really good question. And to sum it up, you don't want to be in the middle ground. You either want to be really good or really bad. That's just the state of the NBA today, and it's going to flip every two or three years. So here we go, rubbing my hands together like Birdman. It's what we've all been waiting for, the GOAT topic. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time you heard from eric devendorf in the intro there i would definitely put him up in that conversation eric devendorf the goat the legend the syracuse legend so we've got the usual suspects michael jordan lebron james magic johnson kareem abdul jabbar aka lou alcinder and then i'm gonna throw another name up there bill russell as well as his running mate wilt chamberlain recently the anniversary of his 100 point game can't leave wilt out of the conversation So who is the greatest of all time? John Wall, always mention him in this debate, greatest shot blocking point guard of all time. Who is the greatest player of all time? I'm finally gonna get into the stats. I've been looking at them. I've been pouring over the stats. I'm not even sleeping at night. This is all I can think about, who is the GOAT? So here it is folks, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll please. Oh no, that's, yeah, I heard it. I heard it in the background. I thought I did. I didn't want this to happen again, but here we are, it's the outro music. guys again but i really have to go it's the outro music you have to obey the outro music so i'll see you all in episode nine